This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, so she can make it. Carbone coming at you with episode 133 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Yep, yep. Hope everybody's doing all right. You know, same, same, same old routine here um, during this quarantine. Um, not really doing much. Finally finished the first segment of the two Lance Armstrong, you know, um, of the Lance Armstrong documentary. Um, so I plan on watching the second one tomorrow night or sometime maybe, you know, this weekend if I can't get to it. But it's very good so far. Um, still have to go back and rewatch The Last Dance because I kind of stopped after episode, in the middle of episode seven. I don't know why. Um, so I've got some work to do there. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, there has been some news in terms of the NBA. I think it's, I don't think it's confirmed or official yet, but it seems likely, very likely now that there is going to be an NBA season, which is good. You know, if you're just a hoops fan and you love watching ball like me, I'm happy to see, you know, I'm happy that we're getting it back. Um, now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, as a Knicks fan, um, the New York Knickerbockers will not be partaking in the remainder of this. Um, it, it's a very unorthodox format, what they're doing. They're going to, from what I've read, it's the NBA's planning on returning for eight eight more regular season games to kind of, um, you know, figure out the seating here for the playoffs. Um, I think only the playoff teams are remaining, plus I think like fringe contending teams as well, something like that. And so obviously the Knicks don't fit either category and they're going to be golfing once again. <laughs> so that's that with them. Oh. I'm trying to think of what else. Fucking MLB is still at a standstill. Don't really want to talk about that. And it's unfortunate, man. I really, really want to start talking about Yankees. Like I do. But... There's there's literally nothing going on, you know. There's they're still talking, kind of in negotiations, and um, yeah, I don't know. See, I don't even know what to say. There's nothing when it comes to baseball to really talk about that'll not bore you. Anything you say will just be the same old boring. Will they play? Will they not play? So, <laughs> fucking um. Until then, we're gonna stick to Nick's talk and keep diving into this you know, scouting, draft scouting that we've been doing, you know, and pick apart 
a bunch of pre-draft prospects, you know, pre-draft prospects. Um, hit a bunch of these second-round guys and a bunch of the late first-round guys a few weeks ago that just finished up. And now we're starting to hit on the lottery picks, uh, the, you know, the guys that are higher up on the board, and we're kind of getting to an end there, you know. Um, so I don't know what we're going to do once we finish this whole thing up. I'm going to be bored as hell um, yet again, but... <laughs> It's it, it is what it is, you know. It's um trying to find things to do. At least I started working out. Finally started working out, getting off my ass. Um, you know. Maybe I'll uh, you know what I'm gonna do, and I've been planning on it. Actually, haven't gotten to it. I, I'm an Italian American, and I've always wanted to learn the language of Italian. Now, a couple years ago, I want we went away, you know, my family and I, and took a trip to Italy just for vacation in the summer. And I learned a bit. I learned a decent amount, you know, how to, how to carry a conversation. And, um, but I've forgotten a lot since, and I don't know as much as I once did. So I really want to learn the language of Italian being that, you know, I've got a whole bunch of ancestors coming from Italy, you know, dating back to my great grandparents on both sides, um, my father and my mother's, but yeah, I, I would love to learn that. So maybe I'll take my you know, that's, that's something good to do. You know, it's a way to be productive during lockdown. You know, that's something you do. That's something to keep you busy. But, um, hey, <laughs> anything that, that contributes to, you know, a positive aspect, you know, as long as I'm doing something productive and um, something to better myself. Uh, but speaking of, you know, I'm really serious when I say this. I'm going to, you know, continue my, you know, keep sending out prayers to to those who you know have lost um, family members and friends uh, during this virus, and, and and even even during these riots that have been going on, kind of an unrelated topic, but you know I know they've been burning down buildings and shit, and small business owners have been losing bi their businesses. So I, I just pray and hope you know that everything can get back to normal again, and I really do. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, that these hap these riots have been going on and really taking focus off of, you know, what, what we should be focusing on and, and George Floyd, which is very unfortunate. And, um, you know, it, it's just chaotic right now. And, and I don't want to get too, you know, political or too into society issues. I just want to say my thoughts and prayers go out to the ones that are dealing with all this. And yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, the, in terms of sports, guys, there's nothing else to talk about but, but the Knicks here on BD4, very unfortunately. But, um, yeah, that's it. That's It's it's going to be Tyrese Halliburton tonight Um, coming from uh, Iowa State. And he's, listen, he's a, he's not my favorite draft prospect, let's be real. He's somebody who I would love to take, you know, since the Knicks have the LAC pick later in the first. That would have been a great time to pick him, but... Unfortunately, he's probably going to be in the lottery, early lottery, mid-lottery. So, you know, if it happens, whatever. But that's who we're going to discuss tonight, and we'll get more into that in a second. But really quick, guys, I want to thank you for coming by. Thank you for coming on BD4, uh, for joining, you know, tuning in, listening, watching BD4. And if you haven't yet, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Do so on many many, many of our different platforms. All you got to do is go to my website. It should be on the screen or in the description, all depending on what platform you are listening to this on. But 
hey, just for the sake of it, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect, and that'll take you to the page that tells you where to reach me on social media, shows you where to subscribe to my blog, and then obviously the uh, displays all many different platforms for the podcast, BD4. So we're going to head to break really quick, guys. Um, and as soon as we get back from break, I guess we'll get right into the episode and, you know, pick apart uh, Tyrese Halliburton. All right. We'll be right back. fellas really quick before we continue with the show i just want to remind you if you haven't yet subscribed to bd4 be sure to do so right now just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect prospect but you know because I tried to I try to pick all the players that the Knicks you know that would at least semi fit the Knicks right I try not to discuss you know players that really don't have a future here you know like James Wiseman that doesn't make sense to discuss him and so I'm trying to pick players that at least make sense um but Tyree Tyree Halliburton while he does make sense I don't think he's you know He's not the guy that's going to jump off the screen and excite you if the Knicks do draft him. He's more of a safe draft pick, right? Somebody who is, um, you know, safe, you know, a high floor kind of player, you know, somebody who is guaranteed to be decent instead of their ceiling, a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. Um, so Tyrese Halliburton is a guard, okay, a guard uh, from, Ohio, uh, not Ohio State, from Iowa State. Played there as a freshman and a sophomore before he declared for the draft this past season. Uh, 20 years old. He turned 20 in February, so still very young. He's 6'5", 175 pounds, with a 6'11 wingspan. Um, so very lanky for a point guard. Very, very lanky, and he's got very good length. And that's going to be a, one of the things we're going to discuss about him a lot tonight. So, so fly in the room. I don't know if you could see that, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, let, let's let's talk about Tyrese. So, big improvement, uh, a decent improvement from his freshman season to his sophomore season. Um, you know, this this past year, as a sophomore, Tyrese got his numbers up to 15 points per game, uh, six rebounds a game, and seven assists per game versus 2.8 turnovers. So very efficient there. Um, 50% from the floor, um, including 59% from the two point range, um, and then 42% from three as well as 82% at the charity stripe. Now, he did this on a volume of 11.1 field goal attempts, 5.5 two-point attempts, 5.6 three-point attempts, and 2.0 free throw attempts per game. Um, Defensively collected 2.5 steals per game, um, 0.7 blocks, and 
uh, 1.3 personal fouls. So some very, very nice looking numbers there. And he did this across 22 starts um, where he averaged 37 minutes to start, but he only played 22 games because he did have a, a wrist a wrist fracture. So that kind of limited his time out on the floor for the remainder of the year. Um, so keep that in mind. But yeah, I would say he's still projected to go in the lottery. Again, I would say more six plus. That's what my prediction would be in terms of his draft stock. You know, he's somebody who I I would say would, you know, I think he's likely to get drafted no earlier than, than six. Um, mid to late lottery will go. So, you know, in some outlook, I think he, again, a high floor, low ceiling type of player. You know, a high-end rotational guy, you know, a role player, a solid role player, you know, not an all-star, not your point guard engine, but a, you know, a glue guy, a glue guy who contributes to winning by doing the little things, right? And that's where some of the, you know, we've heard of Frank Nielakina comparison, actually, and that makes sense. You know, he's the same kind of guy, at least right now, where he doesn't flash you, he doesn't doesn't flash you doesn't wow you you know with any flashy numbers or anything like that but he makes a positive impact um but i've also heard you know one that i really like a comparison when it comes to hallie burton is michael carter williams's upside right i really like that defense lanky got some offense good rebounder good passer a little bit of everything right that kind of reminds me of that so i see that very much i really that's probably my favorite comparison um I saw like a very, very, very poor man's Reggie Miller because he can shoot the ball, kind of an unorthodox form, maybe. Um, I saw Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yep, I see that. Um, what else did I see when I was looking up? Uh, DeJounte Murray, I think is his name. Yeah, I saw Alfred Payton with, with a jump shot. Um, and then Lonzo Ball, which isn't a bad comparison as well. So, you know, a couple of, comp- <coughs> excuse me, a couple of comparisons here with Hallie Burton. So yeah, I mean, I would say they, those are all pretty decent, you know, given that he's again, a guy who's decent at doing a little bit of everything. Um, so, you know, he can pass the ball very well. He's a good rebounder. Um, he shoots the ball. He finishes on the inside pretty effectively and he's got some good, uh, team defense, right? He's a good defender, um, as well. So you know, those are the positives. Now, some of the negatives here, I guess, people harp on him because he's not really shown the most assertiveness yet. He's kind of tentative out there offensively. You know, needs to kind of be more assertive. Um, ball handling is more average than anything. Um, some shooting concerns. We'll get to that. Um, strength is is a weakness I have down. And then the overall ceiling. Again, we're gonna, we talked about that a bit. Um, we'll dive into it a, a little more as well later. So. Let's start with the positives, and let's start with the focal point of his game. The one that really everybody, you know, kind of talks about when they think of Halliburton is that passing, you know, good passer. Um, somebody with a very high IQ, you know, an unselfish, smart passer, a safe passer, you know, somebody who stays in his comfort zone, but he's got very good instincts, a great feel, and just a pure passer. Somebody who's a pass-first kind of, gl- kind of guy, um, you know, excellent, excellent and I'm talking impeccable floor vision. You know, his head is always up, especially on the break. Um, he knows how to, to run the pick and roll as a guard. You know, great, great as a passer in pick and roll. Hits all three levels. You know, he's just great. You know, he'll find the guys across the court. You know, those cross-court shooters, he'll hit them. He's very good at finding cutters. Um, 
you know, and, and I think he's going to mesh very, very well. He will mesh very well, in my own opinion, I think, with R.J. Barrett, just because of his ability to play in pick and roll. You know, R.J. likes shooting off screens a lot. Halliburton Burton loves passing off screens. Um, R.J. is always, at, you know, off ball scoring. You know, R.J. loves that backdoor cut. Halliburton's Burton's very good at finding them. Um, and just, you know, a lot of things that these two would kind of um, complement each other's game, I think, if they're on the same floor together. I think that's a plus there. Um, also, just a great transition passer, again, because we said he keeps his head up. He just makes plays in transition, knows how to play the break, and just very uh, very positive impact as a, as a passer. Now, he's a good rebounder, too. We, you know, we really don't need to touch on that anymore, but six rebounds a night as a sophomore. Um, and, again, those lanky, you know, long arms help him, um, and he, you know, positions himself pretty well off the glass, knows when the ball is going where the ball is going off of the glass too. So good rebounder, good passer, but also an efficient shooter. Now, you know, 101 for 237 from downtown, both as a freshman, you know, when you combine his freshman and sophomore years, that's 43%. So that's very efficient. You know, that, you know, as an average, that's hitting 1.8 three-pointers a game um, out of 4.2 attempts from downtown. So at a 43% clip, very efficient numbers. So great shooter in college. Um, it was especially the catch and shoot that he, you know, he's not really much of a, and we're going to talk about this as a weakness, not much of an off ball movement shooter or somebody off the dribble either. Just, just a catch and shoot specialist. You know, he was 35 for 71 off of catch and shoot jumpers, which is just a tick under 50%, I believe doing the math in my head here, but yeah, he, he's an efficient catch-and-shoot guy, but also somebody who has ability to finish because of those long arms, right? Good body control, uses that length to his advantage. Um, he has a floater, you know, uses that little runner if he needs to, but he's got a pretty nice touch around the basket. I know this past year, uh, I was looking at Synergy, the statistics that he was, I think, over 60% at the rim. Um, so good finisher, good passer. Good scorer on the inside because of that ability to 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 really control himself and just a good transition scorer too. We mentioned he could pass in transition, but he was also ranked in the 93rd percentile um, scoring in transition. Uh, and he was, I think, this field goal percentage was 66% in transition this past season. So very good offensive numbers, right? And and productive. Um, I think in the NBA he'll be productive. Offensively, I don't expect him to jump off the paper, right, and put up 15, 6, and 6 like he just did. But I think he can be somebody who can occasionally crack you, you know, a dozen points, maybe average, you know, anywhere from 8 to 12 points a night, give you 4 or 5 assists, and maybe the same amount of rebounds. Somebody who's just a glue guy. And, and now defensively, man, he, he, listen, he's got the makeup at least to be a good team defender. Um, we've seen this guy very aware out there, good awareness. Um, and he's got enough athleticism with his, his quick feet and his quick hips to where I think he can be a good defensive player off the ball. You know, he, he's a good communicator, very good communicator, always directing his teammates, you know, where to go, um, rotates pretty quickly. Um, he'll, he'll know when to tag the roller, you know, pretty good at finding him. Again, he it comes back to length. He uses that length to his advantage. Very good in the passing lanes. Um, and then again, 0.7 blocks per game wasn't bad, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now, let's see. Where are we? Okay, some of the negatives. I guess we'll get into his negatives now. You know, some of the downsides to 
Tyrese Halliburton here. Um, like I said, the number one thing here can be very tentative. Um, he needs to attack more. He's kind of too pass first. And again, that's kind of where the Lonzo Ball, Frank Nielakina comparisons come into play. Um, you know, he's efficient at the rim, you know, but he's, it, it's at an extremely low volume. Um, now I was looking up the numbers. He only had 28 attempts. Now this is, I, I took this stat from um, the Stepian. I, th- I don't know how to pronounce it, but Spencer Perlman's statistics here uh, per Synergy said he had 28 attempts at the rim. Ex- outside of two games, he had 28 attempts at the rim, and that's excluding two games, um, excluding post-ups and excluding putbacks, but pretty you know, pretty accurate there. Just a very low um, volume at the rim this season. Didn't really take it to the rack as much as he probably should have, and you know that kind of shows up with the free throw numbers too. Only took 1.2, 1.2 free throw attempts per game um, as an average across both seasons at Iowa State. So he's efficient there, but again, at an extremely low volume. He needs to attack more and kind of be more aggressive. And you look at the game logs, I know this past season, again, playing 22 games, but had single digit shot attempts in seven of them. And finished 10 of his 22 games with zero free throw attempts. So Again, he's got to find a way to, you know, you're not going to score points in, in the NBA being that being that way, being that beta male on the court. you got to be more of an alpha and attack more. And I don't care how great your ceiling is, how high, high, how high or low it is, you know, in this case, probably lower, you still have to do it and attempt, you know, to, to, to take pressure off other players, other, uh, you know, your other teammates. And I fucking, you know, I, I, that really bothers me with Halle Burton, how he's not really an aggressive offensive guy. We've seen flashes of it, but it's just not consistent. Um, now, the next weakness I have here is his ball handling. You know, it's very, again, it's it's good, it's efficient, but it's not advanced, right? You know, he, he again, the low turnover rate is very good. He doesn't turn it over a lot. Very good seven assists to 2.8 uh, turnover ratio, but... It's, you know, the moves aren't that crazy. You know, he has some moves in the bag, but nothing really advanced. And as a point guard, you want to see him improve there a little bit. You know, not a great shot creator. That's going to hurt him in the ISO game. So that's something to keep an eye on. And of course here, now we've mentioned he's a great shooter when the numbers say it. And, you know, he, he you can't you can't deny the numbers. Um, but there is some concern here. You know, and this goes back to Lonzo Ball. It's a very, you know, Lonzo Ball was an amazing jump shooter. Uh, from downtown at um in college where you go I forget where he went UCLA but it didn't translate right away you know it's a very unorthodox form same goes with Halle Burton he might have to tweak it a little bit it's it's very odd looking kind of a slow release you know kind of um gives you those Eric Gordon vibes you know so it's going to require some tweaking you know and and for somebody who shoots mainly off the catch He's going to have to quicken it up and make it less funky looking. Um, so that's something I'm really concerned about. That's also going to depict, again, his his future as an offensive player in the NBA. How great will his ceiling be? You know, shooting is, that, is going to be that big swing factor. You know, that's his forte offensively when, you know, in terms of scoring. He, he gets his buckets by shooting the ball. And if his shot isn't going to translate at the next level, I don't see him scoring many points at all enough to stay on the floor consistently. So that's going to be huge. He's going to have to figure out a way to 
And maybe it's something that doesn't really need fixing at all. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe it works right away, depending on all depending on, you know, well, we're just going to fucking have to see, but that's something I just want to keep an eye on. Um, now the last couple of strengths here or the last one here is the strength. Um, <laughs> last weakness here is the strength, his strength. You know, he's, he's got a pretty frail, weak frame, you know, at six, five, he's only 175 pounds. He also just lacks that explosiveness. Um, He's quick. He's got some athleticism, big strides, you know, those kinds of things. But he's not electric or explosive. He's not the strongest guard. Um, You know, when he's at the rim, he doesn't really embrace contact, you know, like like an R.J. Barrett will. But he will kind of try to shy away from it. And he's very good at doing that. But again, when you kind of when you're going to go to the next level and play at the NBA, He's going to need to add some muscle to play consistently and you know, to kind of take those hits. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. And the last thing here I have is, again, the big question mark is his overall ceiling just because of those things. Um, he, I, in my opinion, he's not worth an early lotto pick or a mid-lotto or even just anywhere in the lottery. I just think he's a late first-round player. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be well worth it. I wouldn't take him you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and I, I just do, I wouldn't, I fucking, if the Knicks do something stupid like this and take him over, you know, Ball, Hayes, Toppin, Anthony, I, I would be pretty pissed off, but maybe I'm wrong, you know, I think he would be the perfect, I'm telling you guys, I think he would be a perfect, really, really good, valuable player if he were just later in the first round, you know, Obviously, that's not the scenario, but it would just that would have been great if the Knicks could sneak, you know, could, could, if he if he fell if if he slid all the way, you know, down on the board and the Knicks took him with their twenty seventh pick, that would have been great. It would have been awesome, but obviously that's not the scenario here. He's likely to be picked again six plus, but that's it with Tyrese Halliburton, guys. I think we're gonna uh, let's get into the. Uh, Let's get into the, uh, it's almost that time anyways. What do you call it? The NYYNYK question of the day. Let's get to it. All right, let's pull it up um, real quick. I'll pull it up on uh, my account here. All right, so last time out in episode 132, we asked you, Alfred Payton led the Knicks in assists per game with 7.2. Who was second? We're talking about this past year. Once again, in episode 132, we asked you, Alfred Payton led the Knicks in assists per game this past season with 7.2. Who was second? I uh, told you to message me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or comment on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even comment on YouTube or any of the platforms. Um, the answer, Julius fucking Randall was the Knicks' second highest assist man with 3.1 assists per game, uh, believe it or not. Empty production, but hey. Um, but that was the answer to that. Julius Randall, 3.1 assists, uh, the second highest on the club. Um, now, tonight's question. Tonight's NYY, NYK question of the day in episode 133. Um, after he parted with the Knicks in 2008, Stefan Marbury had a quick cup of coffee with one more team before leaving to play in China. Who was that team? So once again, 
After he parted with the Knicks following the 2008 season, Stephon Marbury had a quick cup of coffee with one more team before leaving to play in China. Who was that team after the Knicks? One more time. We'll go one more time. Stephon Marbury left the Knicks after the 08 season to play with one more team real briefly before he left the NBA. Who was that one team? All right, so message me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or comment on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or any other of our other platforms here on BD4. So, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it, and I think that's going to do it. I think that's pretty much it for tonight. You know, not much else to discuss. So, thanks for coming by. This is going to be it for episode 133 of BD4. I am your host, Rob Carbone, and I am signing out. That's it. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Ciao.